Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. We are going to be continuing our series on Back to Basics where we are, are coming back to those foundational truths, those foundational uh, kind of tenets that, that really allow for a successful Christian. And so this morning, what we're going to be talking about is really the, the two sacraments we're going to use that word, uh, of the, the Protestant church, which are uh, baptism this week, and then next week we're going to talk about communion. So it, it felt a little weird to go to dictionary.com to uh, define sacrament, but uh, I mean, as a pastor, you just kind of feel like, well, I should probably you know, have some clear definition ready at hand that's able to speak to that. I didn't. So uh, I, I did. I, I went to dictionary.com, and it says, uh, let's see, in an ecclesiastical context, sacraments are a visible sign of inward grace, especially one of the solemn Christian rites considered to have been instituted by Jesus Christ to symbolize or confer grace. So that's, that's a lot. <laughs> and when I read that, I was like, well, that's probably why I didn't have it memorized. Um, I don't use the word ecclesiastical very often. Um, so let's, let's maybe take it a, a little bit further. It's the, the process of doing what God tells us to do, specifically what Jesus tells us to do today. I think we can, we can just leave it at that. That's what communion is. Communion is something where, where we were commanded and we were told, go and do this. And do it to remember me, remember what I've done for you. And that's what baptism is. Baptism is, is something that we have been commanded to follow. And now, for those of you who may have attended another church, maybe this was a little triggering for you when you, <laughs> you saw some of that. Oh no, what's he gonna say? Um, for those of you that have attended another church or maybe another denomination, you know, maybe you've grown up in the Catholic church, whatever the case may be, you will notice that there are a lot of different ways that you can be baptized. <laughs> there are a lot of different methods. Some, some do the sprinkle method. Some do the dunking method. Some do the river. Some do a pool. Some do whatever. And with all of these different methodologies, all these different styles, sometimes there's this feeling that, that I've actually had people come up to me before and say, you know, this was how I got baptized. Does that count? And I mean, it's a legitimate question. Sometimes people are wondering, like, am I in? Like, <laughs> what, what happened here? And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And sometimes, and it, I was doing some research online for this, and it, it was sad, some of the things that I saw, you know, where, where people were legitimately being told online through message boards and things that their baptism didn't count. And, you know... First of all, who am I to say <laughs> what the state of somebody's heart is? That's a God and you thing, okay? I'm not going to stand here and tell anybody that their baptism doesn't count. It is a, a personal 
decision. It is a personal uh, demonstration of an inward change. But we don't want to react negatively towards all of the all of the drama, all of the politics that can come with baptism to the point where we just don't do it, right? Because we, we actually do need to pursue baptism, whether it's a sprinkling, whether it's a dunking, or what have you. We can learn from Scripture. We can learn from what, what God tells us in His Word and allow that to inform our, our actions going forward. There's a, a quote that I read online that says, preaching makes the gospel audible, sacraments make them visible. So why do we get baptized? Why, why do we need to do this? Why is this something that's relevant? If we, we look at uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, There's a pretty clear instruction. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Me being Jesus, not me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There, the central command that we have in this passage is that we are to make disciples of all nations. If we, we take that commandment that, that Jesus gave, that I always love when, when God's word connects the dots. And if we go back all the way to the beginning, like I think it's probably a thousand plus years, <laughs> all the way to the beginning with Abraham, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Through Abraham, all of the nations of the earth would be blessed. Through Abraham came Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So the central command that that we see here is to make disciples of all nations. And that involves going. You have to go, you have to baptize, and you have to teach. Those are the three directions that you've been given as a follower of Christ. And this isn't like once you reach, you know, senior Christianhood, you get to go do those things. This is what you're supposed to do once you join the club. Well, Matt, I'm not a pastor. I'm not allowed to baptize. There is nothing in the Bible that says pastors are the only people that know how to baptize other people. Like, You've been practicing since you were like in junior high when you were throwing everybody and dunking them in the river. That's, that's how you baptize somebody, at least if you're going to Foursquare. Um, we have to go, we have to baptize, and we have to teach. And this wasn't just, sometimes when you read the Bible, you say, oh, well, well that was for that time. 
That was for, for that cultural context. And, and sometimes when you start getting into the women in ministry and, and how you know, women are supposed to wear head coverings and everything like that, that there's context to that for that time and that period. This is not a, a culturally contextual piece. This is something that he said all the nations of the earth. <laughs> that supersedes cultural context. It supersedes the color of somebody's skin. It, it supersedes what country they seem they uh, live in. It supersedes whether they had a, another religion before. Do you know that, that Jesus wants people within the, the belief system of Islam to be part of the body of Christ. He, he desires that nation. That's, that's sometimes a hard thing to, to wrap your head around. It's hard to make our, our nationalism fit the heart of God. That's a, that's a hard conversation to have, but it's true. I guarantee you, God wants every tribe, every tongue, every nation to be a part of his kingdom. Go and make disciples. Jesus has all authority, and he wants this done in all nations. And he promises his, his presence. He promises the Holy Spirit will be with us as we go and do this thing, as we proclaim the gospel, as we baptize. As we baptize, we're baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're saying, you are now part of this family. What is Baptism. Scripture teaches that, that water baptism is a, a visual demonstration, a visual portrayal of a person who's chosen to follow Christ, being personally united with Jesus in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. I was dead to sin, and, and I'm now emerging from the water alive in Christ. And with that change, with that outward demonstration, I'm now a part of the family. And, and other followers of Christ can see that demonstration and say, yeah, you're, you're part of my family. You're part of my, my tribe. Baptism is a, a public picture of one's initiation into Christ by faith. When somebody makes a, a proclamation about their, their, that inward change, when somebody has been baptized, they're saying, I have been forgiven. And one thing that, that's always not consistently taken out of context, consistently misunderstood. The act of being baptized does not, isn't what initiates your forgiveness. 
The act of being baptized is not what initiates your ability to finally come into the inheritance of eternal life that Jesus Christ died on a cross to give you. Thankfully, that is not a requirement. And we know that because of what we see in, in Scripture. The, the thief on the cross, when, when he was next to Jesus and, and he was there dying, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. It wasn't a, hey, hold on while I get the, the holy water. We need to get this taken care of. It was, no, you will be with me today. Again, baptism is an outward expression. It's how we communicate a change that has already taken place. The, the living God is three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We share life with the three persons of God. And it's in sharing that life that, that baptism demonstrates that we, we are part of that family. So when are you supposed to get baptized? We as the, the Foursquare Church believe that, that the, the bulk of Scripture that we see demonstrates that, that baptism is supposed to take place when somebody professes that they have put their belief, their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ. That's what we believe. And we see it in Scripture time and time and time again. The, the eunuch that's on the road and, and Philip is riding in the chariot, and, and they're, they're talking, and he says, yeah, I, I believe. What do I do next? Get baptized. Well, there's a river right there. Let's do it. If we look at, at Acts, Peter's talking to a multitude, and he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who received his words were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer, and awe came upon every soul, and, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. In Acts 16, 31 through 33, it says, And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And, and he took them the same hour of the night and he washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. In Acts 18.8, Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord and his household. And, and many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were believing and being baptized. 
It's, it's a process that, that we see in Scripture repeated over and over and over again where there is a belief that comes first. There is a relationship that comes first. There is a life change that comes first. And then there is a baptism because that baptism is reflective of that life change. The baptism doesn't equate to the life change. Everybody okay? <laughs> and so, uh, typically, when I, when I have this conversation, the question that I see multiple people kind of raising in their brains, and, and unless they actually just say it out loud, is, well, what about the, the infant children that maybe haven't been baptized yet? What, what does that mean? We typically the the church term for what we're talking about is is believer baptism and when you talk about believer baptism it almost always brings up the question of infant baptism <laughs> and, and it's understandable because that's a very common thing in the world that we see today we believe we being wood street chapel we being uh, four square, believe that parents, the infants of believing parents, excuse me, should wait to be baptized until they come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a, what we believe. God has, has always saved us by grace. This is Stop and think about that for a minute because it's super important that we understand this. God has always saved us by grace. Can you imagine what it would be like if God was like, well, you didn't use the right kind of water in your baptism, so sorry, eternal damnation for you. How ridiculous would that be? I mean, we, we laugh, but, but sometimes that's the, the thought. Kaylee went to Israel, and she was sharing with me that there's this, she was on a boat in the Sea of Galilee, or she saw a picture, right? You, you were on the boat, excuse me, okay. So she's on the boat in the Sea of Galilee, and there's a faucet on the boat with a little plaque underneath it that says, Holy water. <laughs> I, I just want to know what goes through the, the heart and mind of God when he, he looks down and he sees that. He's like, what are you doing? No. <laughs> There's like dirt and like apparently it, the, the Jordan, the, the, the Jordan flows into the Sea of Galilee, I believe, right? Or out, one of the two. Um, there's a ton of like sewage buildup that's at the mouth of the Jordan now. And so <laughs> now everybody's getting their holy water that's like sewage process. Like, I don't know. It's just, thankfully, that is not what, what our hope rests upon. <laughs> My hope is built on Christ alone. We believe that infants of believing parents should wait to be baptized and until they come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. God has saved by grace through faith, not because of anything that I've done, which means that my decision to, to wait or to, uh, to sprinkle my kid when it's you know, six weeks old, whatever the case may be, 
that really doesn't matter. When should a person receive the, the outward sign of faith? And it, it's kind of cool to use that word outward sign of faith because there's another outward sign of faith that used to happen with Abraham. Can anybody think of what that was? <laughs> the guys are like, yeah, I can think of what that was. Uh, circumcision was the outward sign of faith for the old covenant. But thank you, Jesus, we are, are redeemed. <laughs> When God came to Abraham and made the promise covenant, that, that promise that through you all the nations of the world would be blessed, there was an external change, an external demonstration that was part of that covenant, and it was circumcision. He received that outward sign after he believed it's important to remember that again, after he believed. And then he circumcised all of his children before they were old enough to believe. And this continued from that time throughout the nation of Israel up until the point that the new covenant came that new covenant, that new promise, the fulfillment, not the erasing of, not the doing away with, the fulfillment of the old and the establishing of the new, so that now the outward sign of faith is not circumcision. That's kind of a weird thing to like demonstrate to people, right? Um, no, the outward sign of faith is baptism. So if an infant child is not to receive an outward sign of baptism as being part of the, the new covenant people of God, how's that for a church word? Then the question is, how are the, the children of believing parents, how are they in that covenant community? How, how are they part of the family if they haven't been baptized? Scripture gives us some answers to this too. Thankfully, most of this stuff is not me just making up. Like most of this stuff is not, like I had a good idea. This is Bible stuff that we are, are following here, okay? And so it says, Jesus welcomed and blessed small children when parents brought them to him. It's Mark 10. And Paul's talking to the Corinthians about an issue that they faced and, and we kind of pick up some insight from him. When at least one of the, the parents in a family comes to faith in Jesus, in 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 16, it describes this marriage and a family that is no longer being a, a spiritually unclean family with a believer in it, but it's becoming a believing household with unbelievers still in it. And that's, that's an important distinction. So now that family, that household is considered set apart. And while each unbelieving person still 
needs to exercise personal faith. They still need to come to Christ. They still need to make those decisions for themselves. There is an acknowledgement, an understanding that those children are under the blessing of the parents until they reach an age where they can make that choice themselves. That is so important to understand. Just stop for a moment because there's, there's always this question of, well, what if I had a miscarriage? What, what if I lost my, my child before I had a chance to, to, to do this specific thing? God is a God of grace. And any child that is under the spiritual covering of a believing parent, even a child that is not under that covering until the time they have a, t- a choice in the matter, they are in God's hands. And so therefore, rather than baptizing an infant who hasn't made that decision of faith, we do something different. We, we dedicate those children to the, the Lord. So a, a child comes and, and we dedicate, and, and what a dedication is, is a commitment of the parent saying, I am choosing to present my child to God. I am committing to raise my child up in the way they should go so that when they're old, they don't depart from it. And I'm asking for the participation of the rest of the church community to help me do a good job. I mean, this is like the, the church version of it takes a village. It, it does truly open up the rest of the church community also to a responsibility to participate. Not just sitting back and silently judging the parent as they make poor decisions. <laughs> I can say that because I'm the parent who, <laughs> who has these kids here, right? And so it has nothing to do with, with judging those children. It's, I have a heart for you because I know what God has planned for you, and it is amazing, and I can't wait to be a part of it. What if that was the heart of the entire church community towards every child that was in our congregation? I can't wait to see what God is going to do in your life. That's what dedication is. And maybe children are here today, this week, this month, this year that haven't been dedicated here in this building. That's okay. We are still, as a church community, dedicated to them. So the next question that typically comes when we're talking about baptism is, but what about infants that were sprinkled? <laughs> what about uh, adults that were sprinkled that, that now personally believe in Jesus? They have that, that relationship. Getting back to that original question, does it count? <laughs> and the question that I always ask back is, does it count for you? Does it count for you? And, and if it counts for you, then it counts. If you have been baptized and you feel like there has been a substantial change in your life, there's something that, that has just called you to re-demonstrate that change. It's not a change 
that has to, it's not a process that has to happen, but you can if you want. If somebody comes to me and says, hey, I was baptized once when I was an infant, I was baptized when I was in junior high, I was baptized when I was 20 years old, but I have gone through something in my life that tells me that I need to re-communicate to my church community that I am a new creation. Let's do it again. But what I can tell you is that it is dependent on the heart. At Wood Street Chapel, we practice, we teach, we encourage believer baptism. Once you have made a decision to follow Christ, the next step in that process is baptism in water. Can somebody be a fully functioning member at Wood Street Chapel if they were baptized as an infant and now genuinely have a trust in Jesus Christ? Yes. There is nothing that disqualifies you based on the method of baptism. We don't have that person with the hook at the, the end of the aisle pulling people out. If there is a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, recognizing that Jesus Christ saves by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, you're welcome. You are welcome here. Who can be baptized? Who can baptize? Anybody can baptize. There's no, like I said, part in scripture where it says you have to be a, a senior in the church. There's nothing that says that you have to be a pastor. If you have professed faith in Jesus Christ, and maybe if you, you probably need to have been baptized yourself, beyond that, I can't think of any reason why nobody can, anybody can be involved in that process. How do we do it? We do it by dunking, because we're a cool church. No. <laughs> No, we, we do it by dunking because it represents being dead and being alive. And what a, a beautiful illustration of that. There can be just as much illustration of somebody dumping water on them. There is a, a story that I couldn't find. I, I was looking for some more specifics of it, but I, I was, there was a, a man who had been... Uh, converted from Islam to uh, faith in Christ in Iran. And he wanted to be baptized, but he was afraid to be baptized. And, and his, his pastor friend had a, a, a bottle of water in his car, and he just got it, and he just dumped it over the top of him, and he said, this counts. There is so much more in scripture that talks about the unity of the body of Christ than there is that talks about the right way to get baptized. That shouldn't be the thing that divides us. That shouldn't be the thing that, that question, brings into question our salvation, our standing with God. If, if we brought that concern to God, God, are you kidding me? I love you. I, I had your name on my lips before the foundations of the earth. Do you think whether you were sprinkled or dunked is going to matter? 
love you. This is coming back to basics. Coming back to that place of understanding that the basics, that fundamental and foundational truth is love. Because God loved us, he died on a cross for us. He rose again. He ascended to heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father and he's saying, I love Matt. I love Kaylee. I love Morgan. I I love Cindy. I, I love all of you. And baptism is our communicating our acceptance of that love. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to participate. To take this change, this transformation that has been done for us and to communicate that change to the rest of the world, to the rest of of this community, to say, I am dead to sin, I'm alive in Christ. Or if there are those of us that that need to pursue this particular uh, sacrament, this particular external demonstration, allow us to to move to that. God, help us to to take part in that. Help us to then move on and to, to continue to grow in the life that you have called us to. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 